This week in the kitchen, my wife said, I smell tomatoes. And I said, good ear. And I was laughing at that because, you know, it's like a sensory, uh, sensory goof up. She said, I smell something. And I said, oh, you know, you, you've got a good ear. And I was pleased with the fact that that happened. You know, the kind of moment where your brain just says the wrong thing, but it's also sort of like a weird uh, say and response kind of game. So it's not like you said something totally stupid, like, I smell tomatoes. My keys are bent. That wouldn't make any sense, but good ear, <laughs> sort of, it's kind of fun. It's in the same organization system of uh, a tomato, or I'm sorry, uh, a nose, a tomato. A nose. A tomato. A nose. A tomato. A nose. So, I was pleased with that. Although I did kind of laugh at the opportunity that was missed if she just said I'd smell corn. <laughs> All of these things have distinctive smells when you cook them, of course. And it would have been really good. I smell corn. Good ear. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 48 of Spoken Word with Electronics. Have you been living with anyone for about a year in this way? Are you finding your, yourself really, really kind of plumbing the depths of each other's personalities and not in like an introspective way, but more in like, you are the conversations that I've been having. And so it's just sort of natural that we would get to a point where I smell tomatoes, good ear occurs. It was a natural mechanical conversation and it just tickled me. When, when you accidentally say something that almost sounds like a riddle the more you think about it, how could the smell of tomatoes sound good? As in clearly, smelling tomatoes indicates superior hearing. Very uh, peculiar, fun idea. And yet if it were corn that were smelled, it would be a funnier joke, but such a comparison or an assessment of hearing to smelling would not happen because by the act of it being a joke, it wouldn't be it would just, both people would stop their perception of the uh, exchange right at the point of that is funny. And even the person who said, good ear, even though they might accidentally be revealing a truth in the universe, they wouldn't know because they would be like, why did I say that? Oh, it must have been a joke. That's funny. But perhaps those who can smell tomatoes have the better hearing. And just for like a millisecond, a micro moment, I was given that information. <laughs> you know, not all transfers of information occur in the desert chiseled on two commandments, you know. Sometimes you just get these communications from wherever or whomever or whatever is, you know, if you consider, I don't like thinking of an authority system in the universe but I deeply do believe and want to believe in just sort of things that I don't see. 
And that includes a concept of, you know, benevolent, kind uh, God or whatever. And it also means uh, anything else. But I think I really believe more specifically in the concept of, I think personifying an idea of God is a little peculiar to me because uh, humans already have enough problems getting over themselves. (laughs) And so to assign somebody as a creator and give them human attributes and say, we are the sons of God or whatever, we are the children of God. Uh, The son of God was the uh, the other human-based representation. But just to do that is just so unhelpful. You know, can you imagine if we instead had all the religious concepts and maybe there are some religions that do this and they just instead of thinking of a god they think of maybe a really mistreated animal on the world or something although obviously if you start to represent that as god you're going to worship it but i don't know i mean the like anteaters look pretty peculiar so do platypuses goats kind of look like the devil if you ever look at them (laughs) how close to a goat have you ever been personally i'm asking you directly this question only appears on your mp3 or stream of this track this question gets only asked to you no one else have you ever been close to a goat Have you ever peered close to a goat, even a very friendly goat? You could be having a very warm experience with a goat and then look very closely, as as close as you can to its face, have you stared at its eyes. Goat's eyes look like two coin slots in their face or two places where keys would go very bizarre I don't want to ruin more of goat's eyes for you but if there's a petting zoo maybe go and goat go go and goat a goat go and get a goat eye to eye experience you'll find out that it's a it's impossible to not look in a goat's eyes and not go those are very peculiar because there's something very symmetric and relatable about all faces on this planet for the most part is this weird kind of, you know, face, eye, mouth, symmetry thing. And for most eyeballs, from like a, uh, like from a rooster all the way to us, we all have the same sorts of looking eyes, except for goats. So, goats make a lot of sense as something to worship just for that weird uh, chance, that oddness. And I also do feel that there are weird representations of time and experience that make humans and their grasping of it, saying this is exactly how it's understood. It's funny for us to think that we really figure it out so clearly based on just our perceptions of things and how we look at the world. This episode of Spoken Word with Electronics is brought to you by Vreski Mastering. Based in Berlin, 
and available to experimental musicians worldwide, Paresky Mastering is a human-based music improvement service specializing in finalizing your mixes. The weirder or more wonderful your work, the better. Visit VereskyMastering.com. That's V-A-R-E-S-C-H-I Mastering.com for more information. It's, it's, it's funny for us to think that we really figure it out so clearly based on just our perceptions of things and how we look at the world. world, 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 world. <laughs> what I was leading up to and didn't want to blow it by cracking up was perspective. And the last few months have really challenged my empathy for alternate perspective or something or just or, or even my my understanding of it covid has certainly with people resisting things has been very peculiar to me because maybe everyone that's in a position now to sort of flex back has by scientific means gotten a vaccine and so they could probably cover their own their own selves but I want to understand that perspective, you know? That really is the way that my brain works and I'm not even trying to sell that as a brochure, you know? It's not uninteresting for me to talk to a racist person. It's not uninteresting for me to read literature from political opinions that I completely disagree with. I actually want to understand why just to declare that but it's not unhealthy to get to know somebody who really thinks as hard as you do about your perspective even if it's a completely opposite perspective that welcomes the ideas of other people dying but i just don't get it i don't understand humanity right now the way they're doing it so i mean one thing that's funny about saying to somebody, I smell tomatoes, or those tomatoes smell great, and somebody else saying good ear, is perhaps maybe that is, in fact, the key, <laughs> right? The key to, uh, to unlocking some sort of a universe that maybe we don't even know about, that call and response. The only reason you are privy to it is because of the accident and it not being corn because obviously I would want to think that it was a joke. If I said, if somebody said, I smell corn, that's good smelling corn. And I said, good ear. I would just think that I naturally just made a joke sort of on autopilot. But like a keyhole through the eye of a goat, <laughs> like a key going through the keyhole in the eye of a goat, perhaps that key gets turned. That is a very silly thing to say. I don't find that profound. <laughs> but that is a funny thing that happens with writing is sometimes you will write down something and you're like, that is profound. Then you'll read it again and like a keyhole in the eye of a goat, like a key in the keyhole of an eye of a goat. You're like, wow, that's like it right there. I never need to write another sentence in my life. That's such a perfect sentence. Then you look at it like four minutes later and it's, <laughs> it's like it started to decay right in front of you. <laughs> so, yeah. But anyway, let's say that that key gets turned 
by the call and response of I smell tomatoes and then good ear. And that you have been communicated into your brain. You've learned that. You have nothing to do with that knowledge because you don't know the missing piece about the goat and the key. I wonder about other jokes that I would be able to tell though. Instead of good ear, if I smell corn, if I smell corn, good ear. That's a joke, that's funny. So I smell tomatoes, good eyes? No, it doesn't really work. I like the idea of an ear of corn and I have to wonder about other units of measurement for other things. And I don't know if there's anything for tomatoes. Do you say a ball? of tomatoes, a ball, like a single one is an ear of corn, not ears of corn, so an ear of corn. You go, and you can't say a bunch of tomatoes singularly, so you just go a ball of tomato, <laughs> a ball of onion, a ball of orange, you know, but you get to say an ear of corn. And I think the reason why is because the ear of the corn is actually that ear of corn. If you go to a corn stock or, a, you know, just a bunch of corn, every single one of those ears of corn is actually the corn's ear. It's an ear of corn that is every corn's ear. And when you bite into that ear of corn, the corn from which the ear of corn came from hears you eating it. The entire cornfield is listening always in a multi-phonic, far beyond quadraphonic or stereophonic, like 7,000 phonic surveillance state of ear corn informing all the stalks of corn. And then each separate ear of corn as it's distributed around the country and in the world is informing back to that original cornfield from which it came. If you have any corn in your house, know that it is communicating back to its mother cornfield. The corn is always listening. And that's very, very bizarre because to have its corn's ears eaten and for it to hear itself get chewed. I'm not sure that's the, way, the design of the corn that it would like that to happen. It might be torturous. We might have no idea. <laughs> All the corn in the world is always in torture because it is eaten. The corn is always listening. I don't think creamed corn would be the same. I think by the time it's creamed, it's no longer an ear of corn. It's a kernel, which is different. Ears don't hear their kernels. That'd be silly. They don't hear with their kernels. They hear with their ears. And so an ear of corn definitely hears itself get eaten or bitten or whatever. And the comedy of that is next to maybe an apple. I don't know of any food louder in terms of a bite than an ear of corn. If you go over to dinner with people and there's corn on the plate, you're gonna hear a lot of people biting into that corn over other food. It's just, you know, that's the truth. And so it's funny we call that an ear of corn because you can really hear it, I guess. But it's torture on the actual corns themselves. It's just something to consider <laughs> this week. 
so locally we have some interesting politics, which I just want to mention and not really uh, even pontificate on it. I don't want to go from just having, you know, Trump, somebody who regularly frightened me. I don't want to go into that same kind of mindset with our governor. But man, the governor of Texas is making worldwide news for being so stupid and so reckless. Top story here this evening, Governor Abbott lifting the statewide mask mandate, allowing Texas businesses to operate at full capacity. It is now time to open Texas 100%. Doctors say abandoning practice precautions too quickly would be a mistake. Even though we've had this remarkable improvement over the last one to two months now with the number of COVID cases, we, we also want to be careful not to lose that. But the governor says those precautions now fall on personal responsibility rather than government regulation. Personal responsibility, you haven't taken any personal responsibility for any person that's died. You have no personal responsibility. Today's announcement does not abandon the safe practices that Texans have mastered over the past year. Mastered? It sounds like he's kind of baiting us. He's a mastered baiter. Instead, it's a reminder. A reminder. A reminder that each person has their own role to play in their own personal safety, as well as in the safety of others. So if somebody has a role to take in the personal safety of others and themselves, wouldn't you think a governor, a governor, would have a responsibility to protect his population? <laughs> Isn't that, isn't he basically giving himself advice right now? The governor says if any hospital region rises above 15% of the hospital bed capacity for seven straight days, a county judge can step in to implement COVID-19 mitigation strategies. But he adds judges cannot put anybody in jail for not following COVID orders or impose any penalties for failing to wear a mask. The lack of humanity in his decisions has been so continuous and built upon something else that came before it and the lack of any personal responsibility for the things that he did behind this new thing. If he felt a single measure of awareness of his previous behavior that killed people, if he had some actual conscious understanding of that, because when you kill somebody, you are f extremely aware of it. And so you, one thing you can do is just believe that you didn't kill anybody. You can be Greg Abbott and think, well, my actions didn't kill anybody. Other people did them, you know, but they were just following orders, Mr. Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> You know, do you blame Hitler? I will Godwin right now. Do you blame Hitler for what people did in his name? And of course you do. And Greg Abbott, you have the behavior of millions of Texans doing things and being irresponsible and being uncaring to others and being behaviorally irresponsible and killing other people. And they are following your orders because you sort of declare them as commands. There's no gentle way to the way that you, quote, open Texas. You do it as a piece of grandstanding because you want to get people to not realize that 
the entire problem with the Texas power grid and then pollution itself in Texas, you've only been around for 2010, 2015, really. I think you've been governor since 2015. So you can't really attach yourself to full Texas history regarding the environment, but you sure as hell continue. You inherit the tradition of bad Texas ideas about the environment. And uh, of course we had this terrible cold that got worse. And so this is the whole thing is that he's basically right now telling everybody to look the other way, not even think about that because this is what's going on with opening up Texas and making people very anxious all of a sudden that we're starting to get okay with this during this very tough year. They'd adjusted to what they needed to do. That's being, you know, a mature adult is this is still not done. So I will adjust to what I need to do. And we got about six months of this is reasonable. People don't really, a couple people might throw a fit if they have to wear a mask, but for the most part, people are behaving and doing what they need to do. So then that could continue. But then you throw this thing in this bomb of like, we're open now, you know, and you add all this stress to people that were conscientiously doing what they need to do and still will conscientiously wear a mask or whatever you want to call it, distance, everything else. And this is extremely frustrating and stressful for every single one of those people in Texas, because now they don't know if when they're going out or interacting with others, that they can expect everyone else to do that. And that's really freaking lame. And invariably, anybody following Abbott's order to stop wearing a mask, and he can say, no, 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 I'm giving you the opportunity to make your own decision. I saw a tweet that really cracked me up because they said, yeah, Texans will opt to make their own decision to wear a mask the same way the energy industry opted to winterize its power grid. That's as much a joke as it is the true uh, measure of Texas behavior. Nobody is going to do something like discomfort themselves <laughs> by uh, not going out or if they're out wearing uh, facial masks now that now that he said that so that's on him you know but it's also totally out of the trump book because a week ago i was upset about something else that he had done with the power grid and now i'm upset with him with this and so i have to realize that that's exactly what trump would do it feels far away from me this power grid thing i don't even care about it anymore because now i'm annoyed with the incredible manipulative cruelty of uh, that mask ordinance uh, just saying we're open and you know whatever not caring about imagine somebody's uh, just trying to get through this extremely difficult experience terrified for some reason that they're stressed and having to be around this kind of stuff very frustrating he wouldn't have he wouldn't know where to put a goat's key he wouldn't know where to put a key in the keyhole of how to go key in the keyhole of a goat's eye he wouldn't know how to do it and you know if he did if uh, greg abbott went and put that key into the goat's eye and he tried to turn it that goat would probably like kick him back kick him and say no you don't deserve to turn the key in my eye mr abbott and then all the corn would say uh yeah none of the none of the ears of corn want to hear anything you're saying you're very, very mean, Mr. Abbott. 
a visit to the cornfield would be uh, full of a winter of horror. Like uh, all the animals and all the vegetables would talk to him in some sort of weird Disney film. I've been walking around our neighborhood since the storm. And one thing that has been really terrible and sad, and it's tangentially something you could compare to the energy industry because it's very much their fault that global warming occurs. But of course, I couldn't blame this one frost, this heavy uh, week of uh, subthermal cold in Texas. I couldn't blame it on Abbott. Although, again, this is something I think since the 70s that they've known might possibly happen with uh, petroleum and other kinds of wasteful stuff. Wasteful, both uh, the act of refining it and the act of burning it. But what I mean to say, or what I was getting to, is walking around outside has been really strange because we have a lot of summer-based plants everywhere in our neighborhood. We also have some desert transplants everywhere, you know, in a lot of places in our neighborhood, like a lot of palm trees and a lot of big leafed rubbery sort of uh, South American trees or um, a lot of aloe, a lot of cactus, obviously. A lot of bushes then too, nice little prim bushes and a lot of uh, weird towering strange uh, succulents that are like 19 feet and then they fall down when they're dead. And then we just have also, you know, normal things like grass and... <laughs> uh, then we have trees. This is an amazing survey of what we have. And then we have trees. We also we have a lot of live oaks, cedars, um, oaks of different... I think, is a live oak the only kind of oak we have? Anyway, we have other oak, I think, and normal trees. And what I'm getting to, though, is everything is dead or barely survived, or you would find things like, oh, that, I can't believe that survived. And the strangest things are the weird kind of mood elements in our neighborhood. Things that just sort of made you feel like kind of fun, like the big palm trees. And palm trees are this week just hollowed out and they look like, I know I was talking about corn, but they look like corn husks. They are that brittle and sort of like the weird kind it, it looks like you made a cardboard palm tree and in like a really nearly hollow one or something or a wicker palm tree it's that dried out immediately but it's still in the shape of a palm tree but at the same time it's kind of like just dumped over and bent and a lot of the bushes that have been maintained by people people like to trim their bushes into shapes and there's this one house that had just a single bush like not a lot of wealth but i'm gonna put a bush in the front of the house <laughs> and he uh, he'd cut it into a square next to a lot of it's not the only thing in the in the um sort of the zero scape space with a few things so it fits but yeah just a square of bush in his front yard or her front yard or their front yard. I've never actually seen the homeowner. I just know about their squared bush. And there is a, see, that was a good joke right there. But this is a true story though, is <laughs> that uh, it's a squared bush 
in his front yard and now it is totally dried and the shape of a squared bush, but it's dead. And it just is like totally dried to the point where if you were to go and push into it, you feel like it would just sort of collapse. Like it's a tumbleweed shaped like a square bush just sitting there. Uh, the cactuses have all sort of like done t one of two things. Either they might be like a plume or the succulents. It might be like a plume and everything will just fall off it or, or fall to the bottom and the single spike of it will shoot up almost like a weird kind of escape pod or something. Like that's the only part of it that survives. The cactuses kind of look like deflated snakes everywhere. So you walk past a cactus and it's just gone and there's all of its cactus arms have just sort of slithered into snakes and they're kind of like dumped over each other, you know, like a like Medusa's head just down there or something. <laughs> like if you were to go and pull it up, if you were to grab all the uh, the cactus uh, snakes there and you were pull it pull it out of the pot that it's in, Medusa's head would be there. That's sort of what that looks like. And then there's the sad stories, the comparison ones, like the live oak that is still alive compared to the live oak that in the space of a week has gone pretty much hollow white and is just empty of any life on it. It's just really crazy to think about this town that never had that kind of sustained or the things that grew up here, the 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 uh, the plant life here. Just had no, you know, had no idea what was happening to it. It just died immediately and all around us. And before this cold happened, it actually got very pretty for a few weeks too. So a lot of things actually began. The reason why so many things died is because they started to come back for the spring out of their dormant period. <laughs> and then it's, uh, and we, so we got, they got nice. They started to grow back, grow up again. And then bang, they got flashed down with the cold. And then we've now had like 70 degrees again, 80 degrees. And so they're just all dead. And for whatever reason, the palm trees are the things that I really hate seeing just those gone. Very, very weird. And uh, all the cactuses, the cactuses will be easy to come back. But it's not really a big, terrible thing to happen to a neighborhood. It's just some, you know, I mean, it's the only lap or loop of life that I have right now is sort of at night, we'll walk around there. And so the peculiar visual element of all those things suddenly once being like flush and full with life, suddenly looking like hollow. Uh, that's the other thing is they dried up in their exact shapes too. So it's almost like they were mapped for CGI. If you have like some simulation uh, phobia, you, it'd almost be like the graphics hasn't been rendered on the uh, palm tree or the, uh, the rose, but the square bush or the uh, cactus and half of the trees none of the leaves. So it's sort of like when you go into a, uh, a video game and sometimes it'll, it'll be lagged in its processing and certain things will be drawn in front of you. Like the leaf would say the tree would just be a shape of a tree. And then as you get closer to it, leaves would show up and then color would pop in in some, or maybe in the other order, but it's kind of like that. But you, know, you expect that to happen, but instead you just walk up and the tree remains just a wireframe with some white coloring where a tree might be with no bark or uh, leaves. Just a kind of cool, weird moment. I, I feel bad for everything to happen and I wouldn't. And again, it's just another thing that's added up to this year. 
and the neighborhood still looks very good with life and uh so it's not like totally dead but it was nice to be around all that night especially at night with a good cricket and a good cicada and a good moonlight and just you know like a palm tree within the moonlight it's nice to walk past and so i'm that'll be interesting to sort of get through this summer or this next spring and not have those connected experiences to what i call living in austin you know and i'll definitely grow back too although maybe this will happen every year maybe this climate is perpetually now going to change into having a frost that doesn't allow for those sorts of things and so you'll just adjust people won't have palm trees or whatever or they'll have plastic palm trees the one plastic palm tree i saw survived the frost perfectly it even had a uh, tiny little t-shirt that had a corona corona beer t-shirt on the plastic palm tree very tacky uh home that's the other thing about austin is you get these tacky homes <laughs> they walk past and you're like hey that's a plastic uh, palm tree with a corona beer t-shirt on it and uh right on its stock sort of like its head is the palm tree and that survived but a lot of weird stuff is uh still here but com- at least for the next week or two it's just this hollow gray environment but that makes perfect sense to have come after corona after then the freeze it, they all seem related and so i was noticing you know well we can't blame abbot for this i say to my wife while we're walking by we're grieving but in a way that's very natural we're like oh darn dang you know it's not ruining our day but it's like well that sucks you know yeah and i say uh well you know it's not like we could blame abbott for this i want to say and again i want to stop comparing or caring about what abbott does unless he gets continues to be worse and worse this is exactly he's following the trump uh, playbook he wants to run for president and so it might be worth criticizing him every time you see him as just somebody following the same kind of uh, distract people through terrible behavior but i couldn't blame him for the dead plants i knew that the weather front just happened and we could have been completely taken care of regarding electricity and those plants would have still died exactly as they did but then my wife i was i was pleased she's like well you know not not true at all we've been telling texas energy with the petroleum and everything since the 70s that they could prevent something like this and so it was perfect i guess that i was able to even connect that strangeness to the combination of events since coronavirus started not really sure what to say or reflect on with that but it's just something i realized it's so that's the weirdest visual news of the week is just that when you walk outside the neighborhood is just very straw-like with dead dead plants everywhere and these are in many ways kind of tropical plants i guess or desert plants or something like that and they just are just still there but completely hollowed out by their death or collapsed where they are but it's, it's so it's completely peaceful it's just colorless and to the point where there's a little color lost in the neighborhood from just that life just sort of going away but that's the visual news for the story and this week 
and we can absolutely connect it to the other sorts of color modifying moments of uh, the last year, you know. This has been a very minimizing experience. A lot of people talk about the value of minimal. If you're a minimalist, you speak of the greater world that you get, right? So maybe we're getting, by, by now even having our plants outside lose their color and go gray and hollow, and eventually, you know, probably be uh, yanked out and thrown away with other plants, I don't know, but, but might even just disappear, or, but right now they are stuck in that space, and then, you know, you're not going places and other things. It's getting more and more minimal in a real way. I tend to feel that that's, you know, an opportunity to, to go maximal in your experience. And maybe there is more of a world now that we're able to see things or hear them as the corn hears us. <laughs> I would say or as the corn hears husk <laughs> without, doesn't work, but the corn obviously hears us. And if it can hear, it can think. In a corn stalk, every ear of corn is the corn's ear. So you look at a corn field and all those ears are listening. Corn facts. All, all very funny things. Um, it makes you think about uh, effects units if you're uh, this episode of the show. That was a flawless transition. Going from cognitive, intelligent corn that can hear to the new subject, effects units. This week we are going to uh, premiere a new series where we just get a module and have never done anything with it and just sort of get to know it. That moment for the demonstration and then we'll make a track with it after that. And I've got some spare uh, Moog spaces in my Moog modular system. Moog is a little bit bigger than Eurorack and it takes a different power supply. And so certain things, I don't know, it's, it, it's a nicer format for me than Eurorack. I like Eurorack a lot. And Mo the Moog size stuff is a little, however, a different experience. It's more like you're actually in a lab and you're like working with test equipment or something. There's a different reaction to when you work with it. And so the module that I have this week, the reason why I'm pointing this out is that I'm going to talk about an amazingly fun object, a module called the FX uh, capacitor, the FX capacitor. And very, very cool module. We're going to do a thing live and it might be great. You might really enjoy hearing it. If you do want to get into it, you need a .com based Moog power supply for that. And you can find out how to deal with that. But the easiest way to do that for something, some things don't fit into it is you can get like a thing called a box one, two, or four. And that refers to spaces. For example, the module we're about to uh, work with is an FX capacitor is the name of it and it is two spaces got it right here let's uh
FX capacitors two spaces, and so you would need at least a box two. Actually, let me correct myself. The two spaces of the FX capacitor actually doesn't fit in a box two. I just checked on this. And that's because the synthesizers.com power header itself that I'm about to describe takes up little space on the inside of the box. You could fit it in a box two by unscrewing and moving out the power header so it's exposed outside the case. Or if you want it to fit flush inside the case itself, you need a box four. Or you could just get a box one and ditch the case altogether and make your own case with the power header that comes for that single module that would come with a box one. So that'd only be like 60 bucks to get the power header and then 80 bucks to get the power supply with the QPS4. From synthesizers.com and then you just need a power supply for that and that's a QPS4. That would probably work that. Or you can get a box four for the same thing, use the same power supply, or a box uh, 11 and use the same QPS4 power supply. And they all will come with power headers that you can connect the Moog item to. And provided it works in the box size skiff, everything's great. Some module makers, their modules don't match the containers of the synthesizers.com box series. But what you can do with those is you can still buy the box for just the power header in it and buy a QPS4 and you can unscrew the uh, power header and just use it on a module that doesn't fit in the box and it's really easy to just unscrew it. So you can just buy a box 11 or a box 4 or whatever just to get that power in, power out connector connect that to a QPS4 for power and then you can have a module working and the reason why I'm telling you all this is because I'm about to do a demo on a module that is in that format 5U Moog unit and if you like it that's the extra cost that you'd have to do to sort of get going so you'd have the module to buy and then the power supply and then probably the case or at least a means to connect the power supply to the module and you need to which can be buying a case and just getting those connections that piece of hardware on it I don't know, I'm excited to get to know the FA, this module, so that I'd record it live. And that is our show presently for the evening. After that, we will do a, a side A where we work with the demo material and then close the show with a new, a new installment of The Recovery of Charlie Pickle. You're listening to Spoken Word with Electronics. And we never, what can we say? We're always hearing the tomatoes. <laughs>